It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 859 for the 1st of December, 2023. This week, like the Windows 11 start menu or hate it, Start 11 from StarDock can make it better. Maybe you'd like the start menu to work the way it did in Windows 7 or 8 or 10. Maybe you like the Windows 11 approach, but you'd like to add some features. That's the point of Start 11. In short circuits, Python is a popular programming language. It's powerful, but the basics are easy to learn. If you've looked at Python because it's now supported by Excel, you've already started. Maybe this is a language most computer users should be familiar with. The TechBiter website was down for several hours on the 8th of November, and getting a straight answer from the hosting service turned out to be much more difficult than it should have been. And 20 years ago, only on the website, numerous If Microsoft Made Automobiles and If Apple Was an Airline pieces have circulated on the internet. In late 2003, I received a copy of If Microsoft or Apple Made Elevators, and I included that on the Technology Corner. Some folks just love to hate the Windows Start menu. I've never hated it, not even the one that came with Windows 8. But I have often wished for capabilities that either weren't present or were hidden several layers deep in a menu or registry setting. If you hate the Windows 11 Start menu or you just wish it didn't work the way it does, I have some good news for you. In Windows 11, the Start menu is far more configurable than it was in previous versions. If the customizations still aren't enough for you, well, then there's StarDock's Start 11. StarDock. That may sound familiar. Perhaps you even remember the company from 30 years ago when it started making utilities to modify Windows. They started development for OS2, but quickly switched to Windows when OS2 failed. Since then, the company has produced games and a lot of utilities that are intended to modify the Windows user interface. We older folks may remember window blinds that made it possible for Windows to look like OS2, or a Mac, or even a Next computer. Start 11 fixes some of the problems with the Windows Start menu, and it adds a lot of features. If you really loved the Windows 7 Start menu, Start 11 can emulate it. Or the Windows 10 Start menu. There are four Windows 11 styles, and each variant has what seems to be a never-ending series of options and settings. But before we go there, let's see what you can do with the Windows 11 Start menu, just as it comes with the computer. I've described previously some of the changes that I've made, eliminating the recommended section of the Start menu, for example, carefully arranging pinned applications, and modifying the options that appear at the bottom of the menu. I've added pinned items to the Start menu and removed pinned items that I don't want. Power Toys Run lets me start applications without even seeing the Start menu, and that's just one of the reasons I think everybody should install Power Toys. Between Power Toys Run and the taskbar, the applications that I need frequently are easily available. 
But the taskbar on my computer can get entirely too full now because it's limited to a single deck of applications. Starting with Windows 22 H2, users could organize start menu icons by placing them in folders. To create a folder in the start menu, just drop one icon on top of another and then give the resulting folder a name. To add other apps to the folder, just drop their icon on top of the folder. I found the Recommendations section of the Start menu to be annoying, so I removed it. Maybe you like it? I didn't. By default, Microsoft omits too many options from the section at the bottom of the Start menu. Go to Settings, Personalization, Start, and click the Folders option. Then you can add Settings, File Explorer, Documents, Downloads, and other selections. The Start menu is now centered, like Apple does it, but you might not like that. You can go to Settings, Personalization, Taskbar, and select the Taskbar Behaviors option. Use the Taskbar Alignment drop-down menu to change the icons from center to left. It is no longer possible to place the Taskbar at the top, but you can at least control the Start button. Not enough? Okay, well, there's Stardock's Start 11. If you're willing to spend 6 bucks or $13, if you want to install it on up to five computers, that's just what you're looking for. And if you're not sure, there is a 30-day free trial. So I decided to take a look. Although I could have selected a Windows 7 start menu, or Modern Style, or Windows 10, or Windows 11, I was most interested in the Windows App Style, Windows Pro Style, and Windows Launcher Style. To give Start 11 a trial run, you do need to create an account, but no credit card information is needed. Once you've done that, all you have to do is choose one of the styles. I started with the Windows Launcher, but later decided that the Windows App Style was more in line with my use cases. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, and you'll see side-by-side -side comparisons of the default Windows Start menu, Stardock's App Style, Windows Pro, and Windows Launcher options. The format I selected currently has three menu panels and displays all installed apps on the right side of the Start menu. I also made the Start menu and the taskbar transparent and selected a color for the taskbar. When the computer is set up to change desktop images frequently, as my computer is, and the taskbar color is selected automatically based on a color in the desktop image, some of the icons can be a little hard to read. Picking one color fixed that. Among the options Start 11 offers is the ability to change the typeface the application uses. There are also selectors that modify the taskbar and many other parts of the interface. I selected the App Style menu because a full list of installed applications is included and the ability to organize the Start menu and to use PowerToys Run feature allowed me to limit the number of applications shown on the taskbar. The user can also change the size of the Start 11 menu, control which items appear at the top and whether the list of applications is always present or appears only when requested. Additional menu pages can be added, but one of the features I like most is the ability to create tabbed menu areas on each page. These can be color-coded, their transparency can be adjusted, and background textures can be added. I set the Start 11 menu to be 125% of normal size and added tabs to the main tab on the primary page for applications that I use most frequently. Business applications, graphics and publishing, utilities, 
and the various Stardock applications. Deciding whether Start 11 was a worthwhile investment didn't take very long, just a couple of days. For more information, see the Stardock website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Besides Start 11, Stardock also offers applications that modify the look and feel of the computer, including Windows Blinds 11, an updated version of the application offered 30 years ago. Many of the utilities are combined in a package called Object Desktop for $40 a year. Depending on how much customization you like, that could be $40 very well spent. I plan to describe some of the other components in the Object Desktop in coming weeks, so stick around, stay tuned, and all that good stuff. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. short circuits, I mentioned the addition of Python in Excel a few weeks ago. That doesn't mean you need to learn the basics of Python to use Excel, but Python does make Excel more powerful, and you might even want to learn something about the popular programming language, even if you never plan to use it in Excel. Python can be used independently, it's an easy language to get started with, and you may want to become familiar with it. Because it's popular, you'll find online learning resources, books, and reference materials to get the process started. One LinkedIn learning session I looked at said Python is the most popular programming language on the planet. Well, that's a little bit of hyperbole. Statista says JavaScript is the most used programming language, followed by the combination of HTML and CSS, which many people don't accept as a programming language, because really it's not. And then in third place, or second place if you rule out HTML and CSS, there's Python. Despite the possible exaggeration, Python is certainly one of the top few programming languages. It was created more than two decades ago, and it's largely replaced BASIC as the language that's easy for beginners to learn. Python is free to download, install, and use on Windows, Linux, Mac OS, MS-DOS, OS2, BIOS, IBM i-Series, and RISC OS computers. So whatever kind of computer you have, it'll probably run Python. If you're already familiar with one or more other programming languages, you will find similarities and some differences. Python variables are weakly typed, and this means that something you think is a number might actually be a string and cannot be used for math functions without an extra step. This trips up a lot of new users, but it's easily avoided, and there are advantages to weak typing. You'll also find different terms for familiar items. You might recognize a Python list as what many other languages call an array, or a dictionary as what Perl calls a hash, and JavaScript calls an object. Overall, the terminology can be mastered pretty quickly. 
I created a simple fortune cookie routine that calculates a random number between 1 and 5, then uses that to select one of five fortune messages. It also calculates a random number between 1 and 100, and displays it as the person's lucky number. Python's syntax is more like English than some languages, but one significant difference from other languages is that indents are important. Very important. Check out an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows the code for my little program and the resulting output. There's also a short explanation on the website that explains how the code works. So if you want to get started with Python, start by downloading and installing it for your computer and operating system. You'll find a link to do that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. You will want a development environment. A good example of that is Visual Studio Code. It runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux computers. It is free. Alternatively, you can create a free account at Replit and do your coding online. On your own computer is better. Your local library will probably have some educational resources. LinkedIn Learning has several beginner and advanced courses, and many libraries provide free access to LinkedIn Learning. You'll find a link to check that out on the TechBiter Worldwide website, too. Libraries also often have books and ebooks on Python. And then there's W3Schools. They have an online reference for many languages, and Python is one of them. This is an important resource after you've learned some of the basics and you have a good understanding of how to properly write Python code. And don't forget ChatGPT or Microsoft Copilot. Both of these can be used to create sections of code that can then be plugged in to whatever you're working on. The TechBiter Worldwide website suddenly became unresponsive on the 8th of November. Once I confirmed that the problem was not limited to my location, I reached out to the hosting service to find out what had gone wrong and what the estimated repair time was. It turned out to be an exercise in frustration. The site has operated on Bluehost servers for two decades, probably more, from the time when it was owned by one guy and through several ownership changes. Support and performance have ranged from excellent to very occasionally lousy, with both hovering around acceptable most of the time. Uptime Robot monitors my sites and lets me know when there's a problem. Outages do occur occasionally, and that's typical for any shared hosting. They're generally brief, so I ignore outage warnings and simply watch for follow-up messages that tell me the service has been restored. Now, by ignore, I mean I wait 10 minutes or so to see if the problem resolves itself. If it doesn't, then I check further. Well, it didn't resolve itself on the 8th of November, so I tried opening the site with a browser and received, as I expected, a timeout response. Next, I turned to the Down for Everyone or Just Me service and confirmed the site was indeed down for everyone. And that would mean that either there was a networking problem near the hosting site in Utah or there was a problem with the server itself. I was able to confirm that the network was okay by connecting to the FTP service at the hosting site and by running Traceroute. Both told me that there was no problem with the network. So I opened a chat session with Bluehost. 
Businesses typically assign the lowest paid technicians to handle initial requests from clients, so you never know exactly what you're going to get. Some are very good. Others probably have trouble figuring out how to get out of bed in the morning and finding their way to the office. Unfortunately, I got one of the latter. He asked how I knew the site was unreachable. A couple of screenshots resolved that unnecessary question. Then he asked me to wait on hold for two to four minutes, which actually turned out to be a little over ten minutes, and he finally told me there was a network problem that would be fixed in some time. When I asked for a definition of some time, he said, eh, maybe six hours? So at this point, I already knew I was being lied to because it was clearly a server issue, not a network issue. I waited a few minutes, opened another chat session, and tried again. This time, I got a technician who had a clue. Actually, he had several clues. After a brief pause, he told me the server that hosted my account was having a problem. Technicians were working on it, and the estimated repair time was less than two hours. The site was operational again in about an hour. So, two take-home points here. If you contact any organization's support department and feel that you're not being told the truth, keep working to get a definitive answer. And if you work in a support department, don't guess, don't lie. If you don't know the answer to a customer's question, escalate it to the next level or to your manager. Thank you. This definitely is true. In 2003, somebody wrote about the differences between Microsoft elevators and Apple elevators. Check it out this week on 20 Years Ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.